0: Welcome to the QAV Podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, My name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market, and you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in uh, earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3, and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail, and then... Feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes. You'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Welcome back to QAV episode 413. TK recorded this day of
1: March the 30th, 2021. What's new with you? Oh, hi, Cam. Um, yeah, had a had a fun weekend. We... Um well, we had our time together before that with the whiskey awards. That was great. I've been out shopping, bought some whiskey based on what we tasted there. So,
0: what did you buy? Just
1: about the start. We drank, we drank all yeah. the AWIS
0: stuff. How did you get your hands on that?
1: Yeah, one of the AWAS is for sale on their site. Oh,
0: well, yeah. Actually, uh, Nico then- said that. He said, Oh, yeah, Tony's just bought some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Yeah. I said, I, I want to buy Tony some lunch. whiskey for his birthday. And he goes, He just beat you to it. He just bought some stuff. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> shit. Just uh, FYI for people, your birthday is coming up in what five days? It is April 4th. 2029 now, I think. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, let's get on with this show because it's a big one. All right. Uh, Top marginal tax rate clarification, Tony.
1: Yeah. So last week when you were down and we recorded, I said the top marginal rate was 47.5. You said 45. And I think you're more right than I am. You're right. So top marginal rate is 45%, but then the income is then all put together with your other income and they charge a Medicare lever on, levy on top of that of up to 1.5%, um, one5 or 2 Anyway, so, yeah, it's 45% CGT, but then the Medicare levy gets added to the total income. Just wanted to clarify that so people knew. Good to know.
0: Yeah, uh, MRC, one of the stocks in our portfolio, fired their CEO abruptly <laughs> last week, and the price dropped by twenty five percent. Has it come What's back? What's it done today? I haven't seen what it's
1: done today yet. I'm just.
0: It was up nine percent yesterday. Pulling it up, I'll have a look. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think about all that anyway? The firing uh, that was uh, kind of kind of uh, scale. It's up ten point one seven percent today. So it's and nine percent
1: yesterday. So it's almost back to where it was. Yeah. Well, halfway It back was
0: 36 back. cents on the 25th of March. Uh it's at uh, 32 mm-hmm. and a half cents now. So yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, C- the CEO's been embroiled in controversy for a while. He was up on assault charges, I think, in WA, some kind of I, I, yeah, I forget now exactly what the details are. I should be careful because these are all alleged charges at the moment. But I think they tried to repossess something from somebody, and they a house. Have, I think a house was it. <laughs> I was going to say he's been charged with invading the house, so uh, he's up on he's up on a couple of charges. So um, I, I, again, these small companies aren't great at telling you what what's going on. So there's been no announcements from the company other than this the single line that they've um, moved moved on from the CEO. But, you know, reading between the lines, you'd have to say they've had enough. Even if the guy gets off his charges, it's still a distraction for someone who's trying to run a company.
0: Well, I'm glad we didn't sell it when it uh, dropped down to $0.26 late last Mm. week. Mm. I'm glad I had you to talk to because I would have panicked and sold and you were like, "Eh, it doesn't affect the company. It's just the guy, the company. It's unrelated to the company, the
1: guy's issues. So, yeah. Yeah, because I think I think officially they said there were some related party transactions they weren't happy with. Yes. That was in the uh, yes. in the announcement. And they haven't said what they are yet, so it's hard to, to make a decision based on that. But I wouldn't have thought related party transactions would affect the running of the business. So just to explain what they are um, or what, in general, what a related party transaction is, it, it means that either the CEO or someone close to them or a company they own is transacting with the company, which means... You know, it looks like he's on both sides of the deal and that then means it's not independent and may not be in the best interest of the company but in the best interest of the individual. So, uh, you know, companies quite rightly don't like that. So, But they haven't said what what's involved, whether, you know, whether they're renting space in their offices from a building he owns, you know, all the way down to his wife works for a PR company who's providing services. We just don't know what the other the private transactions are.
0: Well, uh, why do you think the share price plummeted when it did if logically it wasn't really a big deal for the company?
1: There are other people out there like you who panicked and sold. (laughs) Yeah, and if if we had more balls, we should have bought on that day.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, but uh, I was reading just the other day in something, Tony, that the market always knows what it's doing.
1: It's (laughs) a bunch of theory.
0: Fisher market, a lot of really, really smart, intelligent people that, uh, yeah. you know, know what's going on.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. Remember, this, that's the story in the wisdom of the crowds when the space shuttle blew up, it took about half an hour for the stock market to work out which company was to blame and it was the O-ring manufacturer, mm-hmm. but it took like NASA months and months to work out what went wrong. So sometimes it, it works it out quickly, but, yeah, it, it's human nature. It's, it's a it's the great social experiment. We saw lots of panicking. With in this case, which uh, you know, wasn't, but who knows? It could it could turn down again, there could be some more information coming out. But at this stage, it looks like the guy's got distractions, they've asked him to leave. There's been some kind of related party transaction, which may be the excuse. And generally, related party transactions um, won't sink the company, so they'll unravel that and work out some better way of doing it. So, yeah, I wasn't too worried. And that that reminds me too, um. Hawthorne Resources results are out. So I saw them in Stock Doctor this week. because They've just got their December numbers in, and, uh, you know, they're terrible, and the, and the share price has gone down again. So I think we did the right thing in selling <laughs> Hawthorne Resources. It's, it's, I've, um, I'll announce the Stock Journal now. It's not on the buy list anymore because it's got negative cash flow, right. operating cash flow. So um, I, I think, you know, the, what's his name, the guy here um the logistics company? Corrigan. He, Corrigan. He sold out probably knowing what was coming. So I think, you know, I think there might be a few questions asked by the regulator about that kind of transaction. Right. Uh, but uh, we, I think we did the right thing to to sit and wait and then decide to sell based on his exit.
0: I'm just looking at uh, our transaction log to remind myself what we sold it for. I think it was around $0.07, cents, wasn't it? Seven cents precisely, and uh, today it's at uh, 5.6 cents, right? All right, good call, TK opportunity profit. <laughs> Speaking of results, Lincoln Indicators, our good friends, uh, mm. published their results.
1: Well, they do every month to be fair.
0: Oh, okay, uh, um, yeah,
1: they do it monthly. So, they the, what we're talking about here is the their their funds so they have three funds uh in fact they have they have three funds but you can be a retail investor or a wholesale investor so they have some different versions but anyway they have a retail fund uh, sorry a a, a star stocks growth fund a star income stocks fund and a u.s fund and every month they report their their um, movements in um, underlying assets
0: So I was looking
1: at their performance to the 28th of February, 2021
0: for the Lincoln Australian Growth Fund. Investors seeking growth, they say. That's who Mm -hmm. it's for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Should I be looking at the wholesale or the retail numbers?
1: Uh, I think, well, you can look at either, but I I usually use the retail ones because that's um, probably more apt for our audience. So the fund return for one year... Is
0: 7.41% versus the all ordinaries accumulation index of 9.56%. It's re- the fund's return for three years per annum is 8.51% versus the all ordinaries total return of 8.11%. So they did beat it there uh, by a very small margin. The five-year fund return pa is eight point nine six percent versus the all ordinaries eleven point
1: mm. one nine percent. So yeah, at the um the financial year to date number. I think that's the one I sent through to you.
0: One point nine two percent financial year to date versus all ordinaries seventeen point six nine. That's a big miss, isn't it? Since inception. Which is uh, two thousand and seven, three point eight three percent per annum for the fund versus four point eight nine percent for the all ordinaries What the all ordinaries <laughs> accumulation index has only achieved four point eight nine percent per annum since two thousand and seven?
1: Yeah, so that would have been, that's including the that's the middle of a GFC. So I think that's what's causing that. No, the GFC kicked in in like. two thousand and
0: eight.
1: It was- yeah, but if they started the fund at the oh, high right. before the GFC, yeah, it'll um, un- it'll look like they're underperforming. So I, I, years. I kind of get that one. I think I forgive like. them for that one. Okay. But yeah, that was a financial year to that one that I was interested in, and um, I I don't know where the blog post is, Cam, but I remember writing a blog post last year about how Lincoln had gone away from they'd taken the value part of their uh their equation or out- they'd taken the value out of the equation, so they were buying quality stocks at any price and they started to buy uh, a lot of the um, high-flying internet type stocks, the gross stocks, yeah, and putting them into their, their portfolio and its I wrote a blog post saying I didn't think that was a good thing to do and I think it's probably coming home to roost for them now in this kind of environment when uh, those gross stocks are, are coming down a lot.
0: So they've also reported uh, on their Lincoln Australian Income Fund for investors seeking a reliable income and reduced equity market risk exposure. Its financial year-to-date is 3.08%, uh, and its five-year per annum is 864 So Yeah, to
1: be fair, that one's all about getting dividends for people. So what's the dividend yield on that one? Uh,
0: I don't know. It doesn't say here. Benchmark. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Benchman, I don't know. No. A grossing. Yeah. Oh, fund distribute That is the fund distribution yield, sorry. Fund distribution oh, okay. yield is 8.64%, 3.08% for financial year to date, 8.64% five-year per annum. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't actually okay. show me what the growth of it is, just the dividend. Return. Okay.
1: So so if you can get that kind of yield and you're not losing your money, that's probably a good result, I think. so. one's probably doing its job but i i only only raise the performance i do i do um track my performance against the lincoln lincoln numbers and the star stock numbers and interesting thing is what they publish on the on the website about the star stocks is always a different number to their fund so i don't know if they have other investments in the fund or what they're doing there but they're different and the fund is always you know tracking the index i suppose hasn't done much better than the index over a long period of time so Interesting, interesting situation for them. But the, the point I was making was they they left the they left that sort of um, they used to be a, have a value overlay uh, at least some somewhat value overlay. And about two years ago, they started buying heavily into the um, SAAS software as a service stocks and the growth stocks and internet stocks, the LTMs of the world. Um, and I think that's come back to to bite them as I thought it would now. But
0: in uh, Tim Lincoln's introduction to the report, he says the fund team remain committed to our bottom-up, high-quality approach. Mm -hmm.
1: There was a—I read something else from them recently, which said that they were looking at tweaking their model, so maybe they're going back to more of a value approach in this situation.
0: While the with the tide remaining firmly against quality, says Tim. The fund team made a number of changes to the portfolio over the period, adding diversity to the portfolio whilst disposing of a number of stocks following their removal from our star stock universe. With the market continuing to chase low quality, the fund team has decided to reduce its downside risk from further irrational selling and bulk up its cash position.
1: I don't think the market's gone to low quality. I wouldn't call... Fortescue Metals, Commonwealth Bank, those kind of companies, low quality, they're high quality. Well, Afterpay, maybe.
0: We can talk about Afterpay in a second, yeah. Well, it might be time to get Keane back on and we can grill Keane again on their performance numbers and say, well, what's going on, Keane?
1: I think we give them a pass. They do a good job. yeah. I I just really wanted to to highlight the fact that um, I think when they change from being growth at any cost from what they used to do, I think they may have strayed from the straight and narrow, really. Mm.
0: Mm, anyway, all right, it's up to them. Well, wow. uh, ASA webinar you and I both sat in on uh, last week yeah. by James Holt from Perpetual Investments. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good primer on uh, value.
1: It was. It was a great, great webinar. Nice I of him I thought, to come yeah. on and
0: warm up the ASA webinar audience for your webinar, which you're doing when now?
1: Uh, middle of April. I think it's the 15th from memory.
0: Oh, okay. So what's that? A couple of weeks away, two weeks away, maybe.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh,
0: Thank you again to Stephen Mab for helping us set Mm. that up. Uh, Any thoughts? We've got James coming on the show. I've I've organized, I think he's coming on our show maybe in May, I think. Uh, Okay. Late May or something like that. Um, Yeah. What did you think of his presentation?
1: I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, He was. I think the thing that stuck in my mind was he was basically saying value and growth are cyclical, and that there's a switch from one to the other, and there's a cycle to play out over the next few years where value stocks will do well. Um, that was interesting. Uh, he's from Perpetual, I think, from memory, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. So they have a they have a long history of value investing, and and you know, and they've been doing it tough recently. They've been they've been running lots of ads in in the financial press saying to uh, the people who invest with them to to stay the course and and wait for value to come back in. So this is obviously what they're waiting for. And it just reminds me again of the sort of late 90s when people like Perpetual were saying, uh, look, you know, we're not performing as we have in the past, but, you know, things will turn. And they did. And um, we had the dot com crash. And then suddenly companies like Perpetual performed really well again.
0: Perpetual have been around a long time, right? Like, Thousand they years have, yeah. or something. I think they, yeah, uh, yeah, came out of the Knights uh, of Malta or something. <laughs> I don't know. Been around a long time. Uh, speaking yeah. of the ASA, uh, their annual conference is happening on the thirty first of May and the first of June at the Sheraton in Sydney. Uh, I'm thinking I might come down for that. You might, you might, yeah, good. You might get a speaking gig there, depending on how your webinar does. I guess in a couple of weeks. No pressure. <laughs> hey, no pressure. Just don't <laughs> screw it up, Tony.
1: Don't screw it up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, no, that would well, be great if we have a little QAV uh, presentation that the Australian
1: shareholders uh, it would be. Yeah. It'd be fun. Yeah. Actually, Steve Steve will be in town too. So we should catch up with him too.
0: Yes. Yeah. Hmm. I think he's also um, going up there to go to Hamilton. <laughs> he might have already done that. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 You're yeah. going to come to Hamilton with us, Tony?
1: Uh, if I have to. That's the only way I can meet you guys. Yeah, okay. (laughs) A hip-hop musical, really.
0: It's great. It's great. (laughs) You know, like my whole thing is about with my other history shows is about and the film is how do you make history entertaining for a modern audience, right? And you have to do something different. With me it's dirty jokes and humour. With them it's hip-hop and and it works. It's really good. It's really clever and innovative way of... Trying to get Americans to understand a bit about their own history is turning it into a right. hip hop thing. It's anyway, okay. clever. It's really well done. I highly recommend. Okay. Even an old fuddy duddy like you, I think, would enjoy it,
1: Tony. Thank you. I'll go. Have, I'll, I'll, I'll wait till you come down before I see it. I bought you tickets
0: for your birthday uh, because because <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to the punch on the whiskey. Uh,
1: uh,
0: thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to come to your house and do a private performance of the whole thing myself. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) it's a visual joke for people who aren't on our live stream
1: because we didn't. I was, what do you call it? I was throwing some signs. Is that what you call it? Yeah,
0: gang signs. Yeah.
1: Gang signs. I wanted to
0: talk about wax performance, Tony. I saw this in the Finn review this morning. Um, I was kind of shocked, not shocked, about this. Uh, There was a little chart in the Finn. Tech stocks, looking at the WAX tech stocks, their performance in 2020 and so far in 2021. Now, we talk about Afterpay a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Afterpay had 300% growth in 2020, but has come back in 2021. But the rest of the tech stocks, like we're always talking about growth stocks and how do you value them and how do you know which one's going to do well and blah, 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 blah. According to this, the number, the metrics are a bit hard to see on the graph, but it looks like Appen uh, may have had 15 20% growth in 2020 and has come back probably uh, 30% in 2021. Mm. Altium, another one of the wax stocks, uh, went backwards in 2020 by maybe 5% and has so far gone backwards in 2021 by about 25%. Zero had a reasonably good year in twenty twenty. Looks like it was probably up about eighty percent. But a lot of our mm-hmm. stocks did well, better eighty percent or better, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And it's gone backwards so far in twenty twenty one by twenty percent. Uh, after pay, I've mentioned Wise Tech went up by about thirty five percent in twenty twenty again. Okay, but not stellar. Uh, mm-hmm. and has gone backwards in 2021 by probably 10%. And Near Map, wasn't that Alan Kohler's? No, it was one of Alan Kohler's stocks, I think, when he came on. Uh or okay, could him have been. or Rudy or somebody, somebody mentioned Near Map on our show once upon a time. It went backwards yeah. by 20% in 2020, and is so far as down another five or 10% in 2021. And they're the, they're mm-hmm. the, like the bet, like they're the, like the wax stocks. And Mm. They're like the creme de la creme of the Australian growth stock industry. And and 2020, COVID was supposed to be a boom year for tech stocks. 2019 was a boom year, another boom year. But again, okay, so if you picked afterpay out of those six stocks, you did okay last year. If you picked any of the other five, uh,
1: not so good. And the perennial question is, do you sell or do you buy at the moment? Yeah, right. Because I've got no idea, because I can't, I can't put a value on them. Yeah, because
0: after pay, I think is off uh, again, you know, a bit. As I said this year, so yeah. do you double down or do you uh, mm. pull out?
1: Yeah, like with our stocks, you know, is that you look at their price to operating cash flow? Are they still on the buy list? All that kind of stuff. I can decide whether I'm going to buy or, or sell them. But with these with these stocks, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Anyway. I don't think we have to get into a value versus growth debate. It's um,
0: Well, it's not a, it's, not a debate. I'm just looking at the figures and like, okay, it wasn't. I
1: don't hear that. Like I hear Afterpay all the time. Oh, what a great year it's had. I know, how great I it is. I don't hear yeah. about the other five. <laughs> maybe all those people who, are, maybe all those shareholders sold out and bought Bitcoin. We'll never know. Maybe they sold or out and bought Afterpay.
0: Stock. Maybe they all dumped those other stocks and they all weighed in on Afterpay, right?
1: And now they've got a MasterCard credit card to go with their Afterpay
0: app. Yeah, so I signed up for that this morning. Oh, did you? Yeah, so I sent... Did you have to do a credit check? No, you just download the Afterpay app on your iPhone and then it pops up a thing going, do you want a MasterCard? You go, yes, please. He goes, boom, (laughs) you got one. Good luck. You've got a $1,500 spending limit. Go nuts.
1: So that must be the only only place in the world you can get a $1,500 credit card immediately with no checks, no credit checks at all. Well, maybe
0: they do a background check because I know they originally sort of were developed and spun out of Touch Um, and I was involved with Touch at the time. I was doing some branding design stuff for Touch and the guys there, my friends who worked there at the time, were telling me all about this Afterpay thing they were building and what it was going to be and blah, blah, blah. They weren't the founders, but I think Nick Molnar and the other founders sort of had their offices at touch in Sydney for a while and they sort uh Sydney, Melbourne. And um, you know, they uh, they they the touch guys helped them build the back end of it because they were doing, you know, credit score checking or all this kind of stuff for a whole bunch of financial networks. So they may have do that in the background, but if they did that on me, I would have failed that. So they right. <laughs> well the
1: old, oh, the, I mean, the old one was
0: it is it, a, is it a, <laughs> I can't if anyone signed up their,
1: jobs and, <laughs> and their six-year-old kids, if anyone's a credit risk, <laughs> it's
0: me. They should not be giving me money. No one should be giving me anything. So I, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there is much going on in the background. maybe they're just like you got a heartbeat. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, get
1: it. That's just mind-boggling. How how can you let people take out a credit card without any sort of due diligence on whether they can whether they're getting into trouble by taking out the credit card?
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it's a Credit card, I assume it just goes along the same terms of as Afterpay. So it's just a card that you have on your phone now in your iPhone wallet, your Apple wallet, that um, plays the same way as Afterpay. You still have the same payment terms, I think. I haven't read through the details, but you'll still have to. Anyway. Um, so what the MasterCard get out of it? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Probably credit,
0: <laughs> probably interest. Well, they probably get some uh, of the ten percent uh, fee. There you go. Or oh, it's just, well, it just says. Look, I'll show it to you. It just says after pay, prepaid. It does have the Mastercard logo down the bottom, right? So,
1: yeah, yeah, that's
0: it. I don't know, man. Anyway, um, I, I did know. see just in the Fin though this morning. there was a big article about Nick Mulder, um, and what a fashion guru he is as well. <laughs> and it was saying that one in five. Uh, Afterpay customers um, are in arrears.
1: You're really one in five. Yeah, twenty percent. But the Australian
0: wow. government, ASIC, and uh, uh, whoever else had oversight of this yep. decided uh, it's not. Yes, it's it's not credit. Not credit. Self-regulation is all that's needed. But one in five, twenty percent of Afterpay customers are behind in their payments.
1: Wow. I mean, like, I—it's just I'm just boggled by that because you know, in this day and age of post Hain, Royal <laughs> Commission, you know, financial, which the government uh,
0: didn't want to have, by the way, wasn't necessary. Industry's fine, leave them alone, doing a great job. Oh, Self regulation.
1: So twenty th- percent <laughs> of afterpay customers can't pay their bills. That's just. Oh, well, um, if they're getting away with it now, good luck to them. They won't be for long because I'm sure that's going to be a big story. Depends
0: mm. on um, <laughs> how many people and how much how much they <laughs> donate. Yeah, how many people in the government are using Afterpay to fund their lifestyle? I guess um, or have have been given shares. Yeah, yeah. Cvl is down 30 since we bought it, Tony. Which one? Cvl.
1: Oh, the the uh, mechanical engineering one. Okay. Yeah.
0: What are we gonna I haven't kept it? What
1: you, I haven't kept a look on is it has it gone below its three point trend line? No. Let's have a look. I haven't checked it for a long time. CVL. It's getting close to its three point trend line, isn't it?
0: Getting close, but it hasn't gone below
1: it. No, no I mean, not really. even really
0: close. If I put my oh, see my big ruler? No, it oh. looks like it's
1: about forty-five cents and we're currently is the sell price and we're currently at fifty one and a half.
0: Oh, I'd say the sell line is more like forty-two cents. Okay. So it's got quite a ways to come back. Yeah. But uh, no, it's still it's 30%. No.
1: Okay. No. Stick to it. No. Keep it. Keep it. Stick to, to it. me Yeah, okay. it's on the buy list. All right. Q&A time. I had a couple of things I wanted to update people on first. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so first of all, uh, just to let people know, there have been some new figures in Stock Doctor particularly for the retailers who have a January 31 financial year end date. So uh, Maya, Kathmandu. Um, they ring a bell straight away. There's probably other ones in there. Oh, Accent One, the shoe company. They're um, they're all giving us new numbers. So just be aware of that. If you um, haven't run a download later lately, you might want to. Um, and I was going to make Maya stock of the week because it's still on our buy list after I went through the new numbers. Uh, and its its graph is just sort of slowly still edging up from that that low point um, last year. Um, it's still, you know, got a lot to do to, to fix the business, but, um, yeah, it's scoring well on our metrics, so I'm going to leave it in there and make it stock of the week. Have a look at it, people. I'm not saying rush out and buy it. Do your own due diligence. Uh, but um, it's chugging away nicely. Wow. Okay. One other thing I wanted to update people on was I, I had a, another think after we spoke last week on the show about MAH, and uh, that was a stock that was on the buy list briefly. So it broke through its buy, then it went back down below the buy, and uh, but it was above its sell, and so a bit like where Civ, Civmec is now. Uh, and I, I called it a hold, but I think, you know, on reflection, I don't think we should have holds. It. It's a bit like that, like uh, Bendigo and Adelaide Bank that I bought and then sold again because it poked its head up above the buy line, then went back down again almost straight away. So I sold it. Um, Mah is in the same boat. It's not a buy. It's not a sell. Like, but it's not a buy. So if you have bought it when it poked its head up and it's and it's now below, it's up to you whether you want to sell it or, or or hold on to it. But um, yeah, I don't think on am reflection. I'm not going to label things a hold. I'm going to I'm going to take Mah off the buy list. Given it's below, it's, its byline now. A groundhog, it's a groundhog. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, stuck its head up and then went back in. So another three months of pain. I mean, rain. <laughs> so that was Mah. What else? We talking about the top marginal rate. Well, um, I wanted to pose a question to people, and it was, again, it's um, in in my thoughts after the last uh, last podcast we did. We talked about dividends and payout ratios and things like that. And one of the one of the reasons I'm pretty sure that companies pay out dividends in Australia, and I think we have the highest payout ratios in the world. Uh, and and even though people like Warren Buffett and Jeff Bezos say I don't want to pay out dividends because I can use the capital better than you can, they don't say that, but that's what they mean. Um, we in Australia we tend to pay out profits as dividends in, in a very high rate. And I think probably one of the big reasons for doing that is because we have franking credits. So the dividend comes attached with a credit for the tax that's been paid by the company in in making that profit that it's paying out of. So if, if a company doesn't pay out dividends and it's making money and it's taxed, then the franking credits sit on its balance sheet and they can't be used in any other way than to attach itself to a dividend and give the the recipient of that dividend, uh, um, a tax credit which they can offset on their other income, including that dividend. So companies are under pressure a lot to unlock that those franking credits sitting on their balance sheet. And someone described it uh, recently as being a, a free loan to the tax office. They're sitting there, their credits which belong to the shareholders, but they're not being distributed. So the tax office doesn't have to worry about them. So it's actually a free loan to the tax office. So so one of the things I've been thinking about this week is how can we unlock those franking credits without going to the trouble of paying a dividend? In other words, if I was running a company and it was publicly listed, how could I somehow unlock those dividends? And I'm going to pose it to our listeners and see if the hive mind can come up with a good answer. But I think if, if we can come up with a good answer, and start posing it to some of the companies that we're invested in, you know, that to, to me, that's a good result because then the companies can uh, pay out less in dividends and reallocate their capital more towards their growth, uh, which might service better as shareholders. So, there's a question for the week to people. Right. I know there's been some examples in the past where companies have done buybacks, which um, somehow have unlocked franking credits. So, that might be an option. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think anyone's cracked it yet. But if there is a, if we can crack it, I think it's going to be a, um, a, a good boon for shareholders in Australia.
0: You'll have to feed it back to ASA via Stephen Mab, and we'll put pressure on boards Correct. to
1: do it. And Stephen May. I reckon Stephen May will champion it too. Many
0: yeah. Uh, before we get into the Q&A, I just wanted to let people know who aren't on our Facebook page uh, that we launched the Andrew Flitman Version of your master checklist into the wild last week, and been getting some feedback on it. People are loving it. A few questions about some of it, but uh, nothing major yet. So, uh, if you have any questions, if you are, uh, if you if you want to test it, go to our Dropbox folder where the other checklists are, and you can download it there. The AF model, uh, test it, play around with it. If you have any questions, email them to me, and I'm sort of collating the questions and then I'll funnel them back to Andrew. I don't want to create another job for Andrew because he's already got one, but he has said, yes, uh, you know, happy to get some questions from you. So shoot me your emails. I'll collate them and uh, feed them through to Andrew and then uh, feed them back out to everyone as we go. Mm. Try not to overload. Thanks for your help, Andrew. That's that's great. Yeah. Did a great job. Yeah. Okay. Q&A.
1: Yeah, let's go for it. Uh,
0: The first one is from Glenn. He says, there were three stocks removed from the S&P 300. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the uh, premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, You get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to... Get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. So, And also we get a, a private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you wanna, you're trying to figure out what's going on, go back and listen to Season 3, Episodes 1, 3, and 5, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to Season 1. As well, All of the free episodes in Season 1 where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you. If it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, the other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or a tax advisor. Uh, with that, stay safe. Good luck with your investing. And we'll be back next week.